Welcome to the Fearless Leader Podcast, where we have authentic conversations about culture, community, health, and education. Now here's your host, Jason Belton. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Fearless Leader Podcast. Today we have Mr. Kenneth Bryant. Uh, he is a fiduciary investment advisor and broker, registered representative insurance producer. So I hope I said the title right, Mr. Bryant. I, I you know, I hope I, I put everything in there that needed to be said. Um, all right. And now today, ladies and gentlemen, our goal um, for having Mr. Brian on is just to bring you some information concerning uh, financial stability uh, and some uh, embark on some financial success as we move into the 2021 year. Uh, Mr. Brian, good day. How are you doing, sir? I am doing well, Jason. Uh, I'm I'm honored to be on the podcast, man. Me and you, we go way back. Yes, sir. It's, it's always a pleasure to see somebody that I know for a while doing well, man. Good to be on. Hope to add some value. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, well, do you want to tell us uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, hey, how you guys doing? Uh, my name is Kenny Bryant. Um, I guess first of all, I am a pastor. Um, and I uh, am one of the elders at Deliverance Jesus is Coming Church in Irvington, New Jersey. Bishop Everett is uh, was my pastor. He passed away. Uh, now we sit under the leadership of his wife. Uh, I am a fiduciary investment advisor. Um, I've been in business for all, about, about almost 20 years now. And uh, none of that means anything unless I care about people. And as you can see today, um, I hope you hear my heart. I want you to hear my heart. My heart is to help people because we have some problems. We have some problems, not only in America, but in particular the African-American community. So I am licensed in all 50 states um, as to do investments, to do IRAs, to do stocks, whatever, it, to help you get out of debt, to put together life insurance programs for you, to put together budgets for you, whatever you need. And I told uh, uh, Jason, Mr. Belton, uh, that I would do free financial plans for anyone that just reaches out. That is a thousand dollar value. All you have to do is just mention the Fearless Leader podcast and uh, you'll get that. That's a thousand dollar value. That's out of my pocket just to help you. Beautiful. Thank you, Ken. Thanks a lot, man. We appreciate that. Let me ask you. So first off, you're going to have to define fiduciary to me. So walk me through that. Explain that to me. Okay, so there are two kinds of advisors. There uh, is what's called a suitable investment advisor, and you have a fiduciary advisor. And a fiduciary advisor, like myself, has to take a really hard test, number one. And what that does is we are governed by law to put the client's needs ahead of our own needs ahead of our own pocket. A suitable advisor just has to make recommendations that are suitable, okay? A fiduciary is governed by law. I can go to jail and I, I'm not a really big guy, so I don't want to go to jail. We don't want right? you in jail. So, uh, I, I, I'm governed, I want to do so well in jail, jail Jay. Um, uh, so I'm governed by law to put my client's needs ahead of my own. That's a great question too. Okay. Okay. So, so we're going to keep it moving. Why does one need a financial advisor? Well, 
Well, it's just like anything else. If my roof starts to leak, I may be able to get up there and patch it. But number one, it's going to take me a long time to do it. And uh, number two, I probably don't have the most latest tools, the most the latest information, uh, and I might mess something up. If my plumbing breaks, okay, I'm going to call a plumber for the same two reasons. Right now, people are struggling financially, number one, because they don't have accountability with their money, okay? And and, and this is this is for everything in life to your listeners. If you run from accountability, you're running away from success. Mm. And people have no accountability with their money. And they have no one to tell them, listen, you don't need to do that. You don't need to go out and buy a 30th pair of shoes, mm -hmm. uh, a 30th pair, and, and you don't have no money put away yet. Mm -hmm. You don't have no plan. And we all know that uh, if you fail to plan, that is a fail a plan to fail mm -hmm. and that's what people are jay right now i know you love numbers so right now okay right now 78 percent of america is living paycheck to paycheck 78 wow. percent and black enterprise did an article uh june 2019 that said that if African-American people don't stop spending money the way we are right now, mm -hmm. that our median net worth as a people is going to go to zero by 2053. Wow. To zero. Is And you can just pull that up. It's a Black Enterprise article mm -hmm. on African-American net worth. Right now, our median net worth is somewhere around $1,700 without durable goods, without furniture, cars, right. jewelry, stuff like that. Latinos have passed us and we're not even close to our Caucasian counterparts. Wow. Hey, let me ask you, do you, so um, Ken, with the financial advisor, do I come into your office? Do you walk me through what you just said? Like, do you sit me down and sort of help me put my finances in like some sort of perspective? What happens when I walk with um, coming to your office? That's a great question. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take a, a snapshot of where you are. Okay. So we're going to look at, I'm going to take a look at your paycheck. I'm going to look at how much money you put away for retirement and different things of that nature. I'm going to look at what your debt to income ratio is. I'm going to look at how you spend your money. Everybody's got a thing. Right. I like guns. Okay. I like guns. I like to go to the range. I like mm -hmm. to pop off. Mm -hmm. Okay. Some people like wine. Some people like clothes. Everybody's got a thing. So the whole thing is that you can have your thing, but you have to keep it into perspective. Okay. Keep it in perspective, keep it in control. And mm -hmm. what most people do is they don't do that. It's like those candies we used to eat back in the jet, back in the day, Jay, uh -huh. now or later. Right. You, gotta have, you, you eat some now, you save some for later. Same thing <laughs> with your money. So we're going to walk you through and we're going to look at how much money do you need to be putting away? What is your financial independence number? The, based on what you're doing now, when are you going to run out of money? Because mm -hmm. when you go to Walmart, Home Depot, uh, and, and grocery stores, what do you see working? A bunch of old people. Why? Because nobody taught them what to do. Mm -hmm. Some of them are working because they just want to get out the house. Right. But the majority of people are not working because they want to work. They're working because they don't have no other choice. Retirement is a three-legged stool. Pensions, uh, Social Security, 
and your personal savings. And right now, companies are eliminating pensions. People aren't saving, okay? And they're trying to have a retirement off Social Security. It was never meant to be the only thing. So we're going to put together that debt-to-income ratio, that financial independence number. We're going to put a plan together to eliminate the debt. We're going to put together a budget that they can stick to, and I'm going to hold them accountable to it. Okay, and so they can hit their goals and be on the road to financial freedom. That's great, Ken. That's great. Ken, when they walk into your office, or if I walked into your office and I'm like, well, um, why? what's different from dealing with you than just putting my money into the bank? Well, number one, that, that's you asking some good questions, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number one is that if you so there's a rule in money. Called the rule of 72. Okay, it is a fundamental banking principle. Some of you guys went to college and took economics. If you dust off your economics book, it's in there. And the rule of 72 is a fundamental banking principle that tells you how long it takes a sum of money to double at a given interest rate. So right now, banks are not even giving us 1%. So if you take, let's be generous and let's say they were giving us 1%. 72 divided by one equals 72. So if you leave your money in the bank at 1%, it's going to take your money 72 years to double. So if you start with $100, 72 years later, you have $200. So that's the one, that's the first reason. Your money will never double. Number two, you're not keeping up with inflation. Inflation over the last 30 years has been about 2.7% almost 3%. So if you're only making not even 1% on the savings and inflation is going up almost 3%, it's sucking the purchasing power out of your money. Okay, so what are you actually doing? Losing money, okay? And that's one risk that people never think about, the risk of what? Rising costs, okay? $50,000 doesn't stretch as far today as it did 10 years ago. And, and these are problems that people don't think about. So when you come to an advisor, my job is to add value to your life, to teach you some things that you don't know. The laws change very fast, okay? There have been some, like there's a, a big law for people that are out there that are real estate investors. Now that Biden just uh, got elected, mm-hmm. Biden's economic plan, okay, is gonna do away with the 1031 exchange. So my real estate investors out there, when you sell a property now, before you could take the earnings from that property and do what? Go buy another house with it and you wouldn't have to pay taxes. Okay. Now with Biden's economic plan, that 1031 exchange is is supposed to go away. So now you're going to have to pay taxes when you sell that. So that's a big deal. But most people don't know that. Right. My job is to know things that just like, I don't know what's the best tubing or uh, metal for plumbing. I don't want to do that. That's not what I'm, you know, I don't want to get dirty, okay? So there's things that I'm going to know that the average person is not going to know, and I can bring some clarity to even things that they do know. Let me ask a question. How do you... How do you deal with or uh, address when people come up and they or you're having a conversation and they're like, well, I don't have money to, to... invest or I don't have money. I don't make enough. Like, 
do you walk me through that? Can how do you explain to them? Do you right then and there go through their finances? Then, like, what does that look like? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm always gonna want to gather the documents because you know people can tell me this, they can tell me that. I mean, I, may, I might find a way to help them on their taxes that right. can free up more money. Sometimes a lot of people they claiming uh <coughs> they claiming all uh, all these uh, zero when they could be claiming some of their dependents getting a little bit more money in their pocket now. Because remember, when you get a really big uh, check from the government at the end of the year, mm-hmm. all you've done is given the government a 0% loan for 18 months. He's been holding your money for 18 months. He's been, you've been putting money in and he's been holding your money for 18 months and giving you no interest on that money. So why don't you take some of that money and, and structure your taxes so you can use that money throughout the year, mm-hmm. invest that money, get a return on that money, but still not owe the government. Okay, still not owe the government, but use the money so you can uh, grow the money during that 18 or 14 month period that you've been giving the the government that money. So we're going to sit down and we're going to uncover, Jay. That's the first step. Mm -hmm. The first step is, you know what? I'm not good at managing my money, just like anything else. The first step to get get off the alcohol, you know what? I'm a doggone alcohol and I need help. Okay, whatever the problem is, some of us, we need to just throw our egos to the side. Okay, right. Say, you know what? I need a little help. Let me find somebody that can give me some help. Somebody that I trust. Mm -hmm. Somebody that is going to have my best interest at heart. And let me get some help. Let me ask you, Ken. So even talking about uh, your best people understanding the purity of you. Like, uh, so I know you, so I, I know, you know, the honesty and, and the, the hard work and the, the trust. I, I, I know you, how does that work for those people who come in and they might not have a lot, but they are willing to take a chance. How do you sell that, that package to them? So in building a financial house, okay. And building a financial house, there is an order to everything. It's just like, you know, I taught in Newark for 23 years. I didn't just walk into the classroom, okay, and start teaching. There was an order. There was some classes I needed to take. There was a practice that I needed to pass. Um, There's an order in in which things should be done. And a lot of times people, it's not that they're doing things wrong, Jay. They're just doing things out of order, Mm. okay? So when when you put together a financial house, the first thing you want to do is you want to make sure you have adequate life insurance. That's the first piece to every good financial plan. Why? Because if you have people that are dependent on your income, if let's say uh, I got a husband that makes $50,000 a year and I have a wife that makes $50,000 a year and they each depend on half of each other's income and that husband gets killed in a car accident. Now that wife is missing what? $25,000 a year. If she has two children, that family's going to struggle financially. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if I had him insured for $250,000, I could take that $250,000 check, bring it to that wife, invest it kind of conservatively, average somewhere between six to 8%. She could take 8% of that $250,000 and that will act as a structure to replace his income. 
One of the biggest mistakes we have happening in the African-American community is that we don't buy life insurance mm. or we buy the wrong kind of life insurance. And then every generation has got to start from the ground floor all over again. All over again, we don't leave the next generation a head start. And I'm going to tell you something. If you are a parent, if you have children, your children should lift off from where you left off. Mm. That, yeah. That's what we should be doing. Right. We got to make sure that our kids are, are together. And life insurance is the first thing. After we deal with the life insurance, then we begin to attack the debt. So that's the first thing. I, I, I Listen. I love it. I love that. I love that you have a plan, even if they don't or whoever walks into your office don't. I love it. Um, and and even starting with the idea of the insurance policy, that's 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 major. And so you even then and there in your office, Ken, during your consultation, you walk them through the the different levels or the, the, the uh, different insurance policies. The very first time that people come sit down with me, it's purely educational, Jay. So the first the first appointment, I'm going to teach them some things because I think that there's some things that every person needs to know. Everybody needs to have a good understanding of the rule of 72. They need to understand how compounding interest works for them and how it can work against them. Okay. They need to know what how to calculate their debt to income ratio. OK, for every hundred dollars that you make, how much is going toward paying off debt? Okay, because that right there is going to give you a give me a really good indication of how strong their financial condition is day to day. Right there, I'm gonna we're gonna start talking about their financial independence number. How much money do they make? My, most financial professionals, including myself, recommend that you're gonna have you're gonna need anywhere from seventy to ninety percent of your current income when you retire. Hmm. 70 to 90 percent of what of what you're making now. Mm -hmm. Why? Couple of things. Jay, people are not paying their houses off anymore. Right. You got people running mortgages well oh, into yeah. their 60s and 70s. OK, mm -hmm. people are staying in debt and people aren't saving. So if you have no savings, OK, and your mortgage is not paid off and you're bringing debt into retirement then you are creating a hole that's going to be difficult to dig out. So one of my things I try to do is make sure that we have a plan to get that mortgage eliminated, to get all the debt eliminated, to make sure that they have some some uh, income, some, some money to live off of, and not even just to spend it down. Because think about it. Here's a plan for somebody. Uh, if you put $500 a month away into a Roth IRA, and let's say you average 10 to 12%, that's going to grow to over a million dollars over a 30-year period. And then if you take a 5 to 6% distribution off of that million dollars, let's say you only accumulate a million, you take a, a 5 to 6% distribution off that million dollars, that's fifty to $60,000 a year of, of tax-free money mm -hmm. coming out of the Roth IRA without touching the principal. So what happens? That principal continues to grow, even though it's supplying your income for your standard of living. And then you leave your family millions of dollars because that money continues to grow. That's what we have to do. Take a distribution 
off the money we accumulate. But if we don't accumulate any money, mm-hmm. there's no money to take the distribution off of. Wow. I mean, well, well, what happens, Ken, in the sense where, you know, you have like the Susie Ormans who are on shows and they're saying, you know, uh, we have to, you know, we should pay ourselves first. And so if I come and I sit with my financial advisor, they will, t- will, will you guys be instructed to tell me the same thing? But you guys are also telling me by looking at my, my numbers, how much I should be setting to the side once I start to pay myself first. Absolutely. I, I believe that um, I call it my 10, 10, 80. Okay. So you give God 10%. Okay. Or whatever you believe in, whatever mm-hmm. charity, I just believe that. I believe that this, this is the way I believe. I believe if you, if you have money and you keep it to yourself, Okay, then it can't do anything. Right. If you take money and you give some away, then your hand is open to receive. And when uh, you receive, you take a little bit for yourself, you give some more money away, and then your hand is open to receive again. I like that. And you receive, and you take a little bit for yourself, and you give some away, and then your hand is open to receive again. So I believe that if that you know, I give tons of money to charity, mm-hmm. tons of money. That's why it continues to come back to me. Because I have a giving spirit. So if you give 10% away, and if that's too much to do right now, then give 1% away, mm-hmm. give 2%. But think, think about somebody else because no matter how bad you have it, somebody's got it worse than you. And somebody would love your life right now. Mm-hmm. Somebody would love, somebody would take your life and, and do cartwheels to have your life. So mm-hmm. have, an attitude, have an attitude of gratitude. So number one, give 10% away. Give yourself 10%. Okay. 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 Give yourself 10%. And then live off of the 80. Okay. And you'll you'll never go wrong. Now, when we break that uh, that 10% down, we're going to break it down into three different accounts. Okay. So the first account that people need is what's called an emergency fund. Okay. Okay. An emergency fund is three to six months worth of income put to the side. So if you get laid off, if your boiler breaks, if your transmission goes, you don't have to take out Visa, MasterCard, or American Express because you got some cash, okay? So we want that that, uh, emergency fund set up first. After we get that emergency fund set up, we want some short-term savings, things you might be saving for a house, a car, a vacation, things of that nature. And then you want your wealth building accounts, your long-term accounts, your kids' college, your retirement plans, things of that nature. So we divide, let's say somebody has $100 a month that they can put away, Jay. Okay. I'm probably gonna take, I'm probably gonna take $50 of that and put that towards an emergency fund. I'm gonna take maybe 25, put it towards the short-term savings, 25 towards the uh, wealth building account. Once I get the, once I get the uh, emergency fund uh, built up, mm-hmm. then I'm gonna put that money toward the other two one, other two uh, areas. Okay. So it's all it all comes down to, you know what? There's a scripture uh, uh, in the Bible, right, that I love, and it says it says um, that when the Israelites went into the promised land, that God drove the people out of the out of, of Canaan, out of the promised land. Little by little, because he said if he would have drove all the people out at one time, the animals of the land would have consumed the Israelites. 
And I think too many people, they want to get out and they want to hit a home run. Mm -hmm. You got people out here that, that have Robin Hood accounts and they're buying, they're buying shares of stock. They don't have no emergency fund. They don't have no life insurance. If something mm -hmm. happened, their family's going to struggle financially. They're going to mm -hmm. leave their kids a burden to somebody else. And later on, I'm going to show you how to use life insurance to generate uh, to generate legacy wealth. Hey, um, Ken, that emergency fund, is it? does it have to be cash? Um, because it is the goal to make sure that we aren't using credit. So, like, you, we don't want to tie that up into a credit card. Like, we can't say our emergency fund is connected to a credit card. No. That emergency fund needs to be liquid. Okay. Emergency fund. So, so emergency fund, you can keep an emergency fund in a bank. I don't have a problem with, as long as you discipline, not to, you know, go in there. Ladies, when the, when the shoes go on sale, that's not an emergency. Okay. Fellas. Okay. You want to have a big Super Bowl party. Right. That's not an emergency. Right. Okay. If right. the TV works, if the TV works, okay. Then we run, keep the, the, run the TV. Right. Okay. Right. Run the TV, okay. And, and you know, one of the things we got, we got to stop doing, man. I got a little saying, Jay, it's like people are in trouble because they are all flashed and no cash. Mm. What do I mean? They spend money they don't have on things they don't need mm -hmm. to impress people they don't know or that <laughs> they don't even like. Okay. And we, we got to stop doing that. Right. We gotta right. Stop doing that. <laughs> okay. Listen, I'm going to be the truth teller. I'm going to be the truth teller today okay. because we got to stop. We got to, Jay, Black Enterprise says our net worth is going to go to zero by 2053 if we don't change. Yeah, that's correct. So either we 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 trying to fix the problem, mm -hmm. or or we are uh, we are facilitating the problem continuing. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be the truth teller. And by God's grace, at this junction in my mm -hmm. career, mm -hmm. I'm pretty established. So what I want I want people that want to change. Right. Everybody ain't ready to change. Right. Everybody's not ready to change. Sometimes it's not that people. They know they they know they need they they know what they mm -hmm. need to do, mm -hmm. but they're just not ready to change yet. Let me ask you, Kim. When do you? But yeah, the emergency. No, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The emergency fund, the emergency fund needs to be liquid. Liquid. It does okay. need to be liquid. When do you feel that people are more receptive? Like, um, have you gone to like college campuses and, and spoken to um to kids on college campuses, or is it like those kid those young adults that 25? the, you know, the, the 25, 27 year olds, or is it the older groups? Like, when do you see people being more receptive to it? Like, I, I, I got it. I understand what he's saying. You know, that, that's a good question. I, I, I really can't say that there's one demographic okay. of people. I think that, you know, I've done seminars in front of thousands of people and right. you got, you got, old people coming up, man, where were you 20 years ago? Right, right. And, I'm like, and I'm like, well, you know what? I'm here now. Okay. And then let's make sure that your children and your grandchildren mm -hmm. and your nieces and nephews, let's get them right. And mm -hmm. then I, I'll do some stuff. And, and I got a, a, a bunch of millennials, you know, ru rushing. So it, it's a little, it's a mixture, man. It's a right. mixture. I don't think it's more of a demographic. I think it's more of a mindset about money okay uh, and that comes and, and that comes, you got people that are baby boomers who have a good mindset about money mm -hmm. gen x millennials etc etc but um I, I i do say that the millennials 
have an investing mindset that I haven't seen the baby boomers have right, or, right. The, or, the, or the Gen Xs have. Okay. Okay. Listen, so there were people who knew that I was going to have you on. Um, and I, so I have like three scenarios for you. Okay. And, and I, and understanding from once you, the information that you gave me earlier, I'm sure that you would need a little bit more background information to really make a, um, a, a like a thorough analysis of how you would move these people along in the scenario. But I just want your thoughts. So scenario one was a 25 year old woman and she makes $55,000 a year. Like what, what kind of plan? So I already know that if she walked into your office, the first conversation is going to be about the life insurance, right? Let well, me ask is, you. Is, is she single? Does she have any children? Is she married? She's single. Single. No yeah. children? No children. Okay. So, and, and she's gainfully employed. So for her, the conversation is going to be different. So for her, um, she has she has life insurance on the job. She's single. She has nobody dependent on her income. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to her about life insurance right then there. Okay. Unless, unless she is, uh, uh, you know, close to getting married, um, you know, close to buying the house, um, close to having a child, then I might have that discussion. But if okay. she's like ha happily single, not looking to get married, not looking to have a child, not ready to buy a house yet, mm -hmm. then I'm going to talk to her about the Roth IRA. Okay. That's going to be, that's going to be her first move. I'm going to talk to her about the Roth IRA. I'm going to talk to her about getting that emergency fund set up. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk to her. Uh, I'm going to look at her debt to income ratio and see what her debt to income ratio is. I'm going to put together a financial independence number, let her know exactly how much money she needs to be putting away. Cause if she's 25 years old, we can have her out, you know, at, you know, depending on how much money she can put away. And listen, if she puts a thousand dollars a month away at 25, if she can invest a thousand dollars a month, and we average 12%, then she's a liquid millionaire in 20 years. So she comes to me at 25 years old and she can do a thousand dollars a month at 45 years old. She's a millionaire. We can start the we can start a distribution plan at 45. <laughs> because look, 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 look. <laughs> listen, your listener, retirement is not an age. Retirement is not an age. Retirement is an amount of money. Mm. If you got the money at 20, you can retire. If, right, you got, James. if you got the money at eight at 35, you can retire. The problem is people don't have the money and they and they have to keep working. So so for her, Jay, the Roth IRA. Why? Why the Roth IRA? I'm thinking that's going to be your next question. So, because <laughs> well, first off, Ken, let me say this: I'm still, I'm still so impressed that you just dropped that. That retirement is not a number. I'm still, you know, I was always looking at, you know, I that was just that's mind-boggling to me. I, I just always had my mom wrapped around that sixty to sixty-five, you know, and 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 it, it makes so much sense that what you're saying. But in my mind, I, I always looked at retirement like it was a number. Not a financial number, now, but like the age. Well, yeah. You know what happens is that because you can't touch your 401ks, mm -hmm. your 403bs, and your pensions and stuff like that till age 59 and a half, mm -hmm. then we have put that stigma. Right. But if if you got the money at right. 45, if a client if a client comes to me and they got uh, you know, they got, I don't know, they got eight hundred thousand. 
And they're like, you know what? I have no debt. I have 800,000. I live a really simple life, okay? Um, I don't want to work anymore. Oh, I can make that work. Right, I right. can make that life work. I right. can make that life work for that person where they won't have to work again. Mm-hmm. Do that. We can do that. We can do that with a simple distribution plan and a nice budget. Oh, mm-hmm. we can make that happen. So going back to the Roth IRA, I'm going to answer your question with a couple questions. Okay. So Jay, you're the principal up there in Orange. Yeah. And you get your paycheck. How much better could you live, Jay, if every single time you got your check, there were no taxes taken out? <laughs> the, the laughter sort of answers that for you, though, right? <laughs> All right. So listen, ladies and gentlemen, friends of mine, the Roth IRA is the only vehicle that you can put money away. And whatever that money grows to, as long as you have that account open for five years, when you pull that money out at retirement, you're not going to pay any taxes on it. So let me do sort of a compare and contrast. Okay. Let's say I have everything other than a Roth is tax deferred, 401ks, 403bs, deferred comps or 457s pensions, uh, uh, all these vehicles are what we call tax deferred vehicles, meaning that they are tax delayed. You don't pay taxes on them now, but you pay taxes on them later. So watch this and tell me if this makes sense. So let's say you put $100,000 into your 401k over your working career. You contribute that. And let's say that $100,000 grows to $500,000 over your working career. Now, most of us, our tax bracket is somewhere between 28 and 32%, somewhere around there. Okay. So let's say your tax bracket was 30% to keep the numbers easy. So on a hundred grand, you would have paid at 30%, $30,000 in taxes over your working career. But you don't pay that $30,000 in taxes because it's tax deferred. But now when that $100,000 grows to $500,000 and you turn 59 and a half, when you pull that $500,000 out, Jay, what do you got to pay? Taxes. Right. And would you agree with me? Most people, when they retire, they need the same amount of money they needed while they were working, if not a little bit what? More. Correct. So now when you pull pull that $500,000 out, you're going to give Uncle Sam 30% of $500,000 or $150,000 in taxes? Does that make sense wow. to you? No, it doesn't. Okay. And if you take your money early, before age 59 and a half, you get yeah. taxed at 30%, mm-hmm. but you pay a 10% penalty. So 40% goes to the government. Wow. Okay. That's what most people are doing. Why? Because they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. Now, the Roth IRA, is the only vehicle it's the only vehicle that you can put money away and that money's going to grow tax-free so same scenario but let's just add a couple things let's gross pay was thirteen thousand, mm-hmm. and you you pay your taxes let's say your taxes were three thousand 
which leaves $10,000 is your net pay. Okay. Out of that net pay, out of that net pay, mm -hmm. okay, you put that $100,000 in. So that means you've already paid taxes on that $100,000 that you contributed right. to this Roth. Mm -hmm. Now that $100,000 grows to $500,000. When, as long as you have had this account open for five, five years, years. Yep. not even contributing to it. So you don't even have to be contributing to it the whole period. But as long as you've had that account open for five years, mm -hmm. when you turn 59 and a half or later, and you pull that $500,000, you ain't going to give Uncle Sam a dime in taxes. Okay. Nothing. You pull everything tax-free. And if you get in trouble during the work years that you're working, mm -hmm. you can always pull your contributions. The money you put in, you can pull your contributions out tax-free, penalty-free, anytime. One other thing that's really important. Your beneficiaries yeah. will also inherit this money tax-free. Wow. wow. So your bennies, your bennies will also inherit. So people need the Roth IRA like we need air. Okay? It, it, I'm telling you, before the laws change, you need comes. I, I start these up, Jay, for mm -hmm. as little as $25 a month. So people, you don't have to have a whole lot of money. You just need to be able to put away $25 a month. We can start a Roth IRA. That is something that we need like air. I'm okay? so glad. So no, Ken, I'm sorry to cut you off. That 25-year-old. Okay. I'm glad that you said with the $25 um, investment, Ken, because I think that a lot of folks are under the impression that there has to be, you have to spill out this, you know, tons and tons of money. Um, and cause I guess in theory, people are like, oh, you got to spend money to make money and you got to do these other things. But I'm glad that you put on the table, the idea of opening up such an account mm -hmm. with just $25. Um, and that, I think that's excellent because I don't, you know, we don't want to scare people, um, from doing the right thing with their money. So I, I, I definitely appreciate that. Let me even ask a question about their contributions. When you said, um, the, um, that I would be able to go back in and might be able to borrow back from my contribution. So if I needed to, Ken, am I how am I penalized? Is there any penalty with that? Good question. And I just want to I want to change one word. You don't have to borrow. You just withdraw. Okay. Remember, you've already paid. You've already paid taxes on a contribution. So since you've already paid taxes on a contribution, those contributions are always available to you if you need them. So if you get in trouble, okay. Uh, uh, so it's, it's sort of like a quasi emergency fund just in okay. case. Now we don't set them up like that because I don't. The idea is to get it in there it's, and leave it right. home. Yes, sir. If you if you need it, if there is some kind of emergency, if you do get in trouble, you can go in there and take. If you have a if your account uh, balance is one hundred fifty thousand, and out of that one hundred fifty thousand dollars. You've made fifty thousand dollars of contributions mm -hmm. with your Roth. You can go in and take fifty thousand dollars out anytime. Okay, those are your contributions. You can take that out. There will be no tax on that money. There will be no penalty on that money. Okay, so that's really, really that's a big deal. And there's yeah. another there's another thing that's important. I don't want to start talking too technical, but okay. there's something called required minimum distributions. Mm -hmm. Okay. That would like, let's say you don't need, like, I probably won't need my money, my Roth money. Mm -hmm. So 
with if you have your money in every other tax deferred plan, when you reach uh, the, the laws just changed now. It was 70 and a half. I think it's 70 to 72 now. That law just passed. Mm-hmm. Um, the government says you have to, Jay, take a certain amount of money out of your account. Why? Because you're 72 years old and we don't know how much longer you're going to live and we want to tax it. Got you. Got so to make, right. They're going to make you take it whether, whether you need it or not. Right, whether right, right. And with, with the Roth IRA, there's no required minimum distribution, RMDs for short. So you don't have to take the money if you don't need the money. That's okay. another benefit to the Roth. Okay. Let me ask you. So I have uh, another scenario for you. A uh, uh, 50-year-old man and looking at retirement in, in 15 years. You know, that, that goes back to what you're saying about that retirement being a date and, you know, but 50 year old man and looking at retirement in, in uh, 15 years and uh, I think his sal- salary was $65,000 a year. Okay. What is that? Uh, once again, first couple questions. Is he married? Does he have children? How old are his children? Married, two kids, one 18, the other Okay, so first thing we want to look at, I'm going to make sure that he's got adequate life insurance, got young children. So adequate life insurance, that's the first thing we're going to make sure that he that he has. Number after we look at. Ken, let me uh, ask you, let me ask you, can I ask you a quick question? I'm sorry to cut you off. What is what is adequate life insurance for that gentleman and his wife and the expected amount on his two children? That is a great question. I'm glad you asked that. So there's a formula for purchasing life insurance. That formula is something called DIME, okay? The D stands for how much debt you have. The I stands for how much income would need to be replaced if, God forbid, something were to happen to either one of the breadwinners. The M stands for the mortgage and the E stands for college education. So let's say this gentleman, you said he makes $65,000, right? Yes, sir. A year? Yes, sir. Okay. So let's say his family depended on half of that. So they would need 30, 30, 30 some thousand. Let's just keep it at 30,000 to make the even number. I'm going to multiply that 30, 30,000 times eight, eight to 10. Okay. Okay. So he's going to need about that. Why? Because that's the amount of money he's going to need to replace the income. Right. If he has a mortgage. So if he, if 300,000, Jay, if we have $300,000, right? Mm -hmm. $300,000 and we, uh, uh, and we average 10%, 10% of 300,000 is what? 30 grand a year. Uh Replace this income. Uh Okay. So, Let's say that we, that, so that would be 300 to replace his income. Let's say that he has two kids. He's got to put through school, um, depending on what school, because I can uh, tell uh, your audience how much it's going to cost them to send their child to whatever school they want to send them to. Okay. When I can, I got programs to figure that out. Okay. okay? So uh, we're going to look at, at the college. How much is the college going to cost? How, how much does he has, have left on his mortgage? So worst case scenario, I'm going to take his income 
and I'm going to multiply that by 8 to 10. That's a shortcut. Okay. Okay. To determine. Because if I can't, if I replace the income, his wife should be able to what? Pay the mortgage. Mm -hmm. Okay. Send the kids to school. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I replace the income. But right. sometimes, depending on where the income is, that's not enough. And that's where the other vehicles, the other letters come in place. How much debt do you have? Right. How much is left on the mortgage? How much is going to cost? You take uh, the 18-year-old to go to go to Rutgers is is going to cost over 100 grand. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. that's in state right now. Right. The eight-year-old is by the time the eight-year goes, it might come might be like 300 grand. Mm -hmm. So we got to prepare for that. Okay, unless he's put money away for a 529 uh, for his kids' college education. Right. So we're going to look at the life insurance. We're going to look at look at his debt. Okay, and then I'm going to look at his, where does he stand for retirement? Does he have a pension? How much money is he putting away in his 401k? Mm. That's, it's, it's, so when you, the, the thing is, when we, when somebody comes here, the, the first time they come, education. The second time, we're going to like start probing. What are your right. goals? What right. do you want to get done? How do you want to leave your family? Where do you stand? I, I need a snapshot. Mm -hmm. I need a snapshot of where they are. How much money... Do have they put away? And then I'll give you one other thing, Jay, that a lot of people are messing up with is they're not buying long-term care insurance. Hmm. So long-term care insurance, okay, is is when you have when you qualify when you have problems with two of the six activities of daily living: eating, dressing, bathing, transferring, toileting. Continence, uh, uh, that is toilet, mm -hmm. and mental cognitive impairment. Okay. okay? Uh, when you have problems with two of those six, the government says you qualify for as a long, that, that qualifies as a long term care event. So let's say this particular 50 year old, let's say, Jay, he's got $500,000 mm -hmm. in his 401k. Okay. If he has no, if he has, Let's say he's got everything else in place. Let's say his debt is good. Let's say he's got his life insurance in place. Let's say he's got the money in his 529s for his mm -hmm. kids' college. Right. Let's say he's all good. Right. If he doesn't have long-term care insurance and he has a stroke and he doesn't die, the government is going to make him spend his whole all his all of his five hundred thousand dollars down until he has two grand and then he can apply to Medicaid. So a $500,000 nest egg can be wiped out just like that if he doesn't have long-term care insurance, okay? And if, but for those of your, your people out there who are, mm -hmm. um, you know, that are diligent and looking things, just uh, Google the Deficit Reduction Act. The Deficit Reduction Act, uh, of, I think it's 05, okay, of, of 2005. It was in the government spend down provision. Okay, if you don't, you you have to spend your own money down till you have two grand before, before you can apply to Medicaid. Wow. Before you can apply to Medicaid for help. So a lot of people don't buy long term care insurance, and then when something happens, mm -hmm. they have to spend. They go through their nest egg they spent their whole life on, and then they still go into retirement broke. But if you purchase long term care insurance. Mm -hmm. This is important. If you purchase long-term care insurance and you have that, and that 50-year-old has that stroke, the government says 
use your long-term care policy. Mm -hmm. And after you use your long-term care benefits up, if you still need help, we're going to let you apply to Medicaid and we're going to let you keep your cash. It's called asset protection. And this is one mistake. I've seen so many families have to throw their nest eggs away, not intentionally, but mm -hmm. because they didn't know. They didn't know. And this is why you come to somebody like myself mm -hmm. so you can learn things that you don't know. Okay. So you can prevent them from happening to your family. It's not that difficult to set up a long-term legacy plan that will change your family's financial future forever. It's not that difficult. One person has to pay the price though. One person. I, I definitely want, I don't even care if we have to put that, the long-term care piece up on, uh, as a link on the, on the podcast. I think that's very, very informative though, Ken. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by the information that we're receiving today. That's, 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 that's a lot of information. Uh, let me ask you though, but like you just said, if I'm looking for a financial advisor, what should I be looking for, Ken? So number one, I would definitely be looking for a fiduciary. Okay. I would, I would uh, look for somebody that is a fiduciary because it's just a higher standard and they are governed by law mm -hmm. to do what's right for you to put their, put your needs above their own needs. I would look for somebody that's been in business for a minute. I would not, you know, just gravitate to somebody that is just like anything else. I mean, do you want the first plumber that comes to your house? Do you want the, you know, or you want somebody that's, that's, you know, not that, now listen, once upon a time, I, I was, I was a, a new advisor and, and when I first started, I wasn't a fiduciary. Right. right. Okay. Right. So, mm -hmm. so, so I'm not saying there, there are some suitable advisors that are good, mm -hmm. but I would at least, I mean, who touches your heart? Who connects with you, you know, in, in, the, in your spirit? Who do you feel good about? Mm -hmm. Okay. Pick somebody that you feel good about. Uh, broker check them. FINRA broker check me. Uh, you know, you'll see, you'll see my education. You'll see how long I've been in business. You'll mm -hmm. see that there are no disclosures. I haven't had any problems. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, nobody's made a complaint. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, so right. You wanna, these, are things, these are things that are important. Okay. And then also look for somebody, for the people that you know have dealt with. Right, right, Ken. That, that, that know their character, mm -hmm. that know what they stand for, that know uh, 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 that they, they've been, you know, that they've done right by somebody that you know or somebody that you trust and uh, care about. I think if you do those things, that it'll steer you away from uh, somebody. And, you know, don't be thirsty. You know, sometimes you're making, your money is important. Mm -hmm. So pick, take the time. Pick somebody right. that you like. There's people that come, there's people that come here all the time. I mean, uh, uh, and say, well, you know, I, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm, you know, making my rounds, you know, mm -hmm. you know, why, why, why should I, you know, why should I choose you? Right. Uh, right. Well, you know, well, what, what are your goals? Cause I'm going to help you get to your goals. What are your goals? What do you want to get done? Mm -hmm. And I'm always, I'm going to tell you the truth, whether you like it or not. Right. Right. Kim. I'm going to tell, tell you the truth. I, like I said, I'm a truth teller. I'm a truth teller. People that come to me, they come to me because they want to change. Yeah, they come yeah. to me because they want to. They want to get someplace. Mm -hmm. they, uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you what you need to hear. Mm -hmm. Okay, whether you like me or you love me, and some people need that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you gave look. you gave that to me early on. <laughs> <laughs> you're spending too. You're spending too much money. Okay, you need to dial it back. Okay, right. sometimes we need to do that. Okay, right. and I'm talking to myself too. Mm -hmm. we, we we need it. 
Accountability is important. Mm -hmm. What is, what is, and I know you said a lot, but what is the, and then it, it might be like life insurance or something, but what is the most common concern that when someone is sitting in front of you that you hear that we don't have? Like, what is that, that item that, that always sticks out where it's like, you know, you hear it again and again, like, what are we, what are you seeing people not prepared for? Uh, I would say there's probably, there's probably three. Debt is, debt is a really big problem. People, you know, are really, they, they don't have a handle on debt. That, that I would probably say that's really one of the gigantic things I see on a consistent basis. Um, I see a lot of people that don't have, they, they have life insurance on the job. Okay. But they don't have their own personal life insurance. I see right. that a lot. Mm -hmm. that's, another, that's another really big mistake because, I mean, I'll tell you a couple of stories. I had, um, I had a client down in Atlantic City and she, she was a nurse. She'd been with the hospital a long time and um, she had life insurance on the job, but she also had a $275,000 policy with me. Okay. She got breast cancer, Jay, unfortunately. And I remember sitting with her on her deathbed with her, me, her, and her husband, planning their future, planning what we needed to do. And because she had got breast cancer, she couldn't work. So when she couldn't work, she went down to per diem because she couldn't work on a consistent basis. And that life insurance changed that she had on a job. And I so one of the things that I see too many times is people, they only have life insurance on the job. When she passed away, that life insurance that she, her husband got from the job was only 30,000. If, if, if she didn't have that $275,000 policy with me, that family would have been in trouble, okay? Wow. I'll tell you another story. Another client in McDonald's, a client that was a manager for McDonald's, a uh, 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 disabled husband at home, four children. Truck crashes into McDonald's, kills her. Okay, McDonald's would not pay the life insurance on the higher, uh, uh, what do you call it, the higher um, uh, uh, manager level because she uh, was in her uh, what ninety day training period. Wow. As a man, yo, listen, I, I've I've heard some stories, man. I've heard some crazy stories. I've seen some crazy stories. And life insurance is something that you don't want to leave up to an employer. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure. And then, then again, what if you get let go? What if right. you get let go? Then what? Okay. You no, know, now you're no longer in the group, so the price is going to go up. Okay. And and most people can't afford it when it goes up. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of hiccups. So that's one. Number two is the debt. People have no clue how to get out of debt. So just putting together a debt stacking plan right. for them and a debt elimination date. And as we pay debts off, we don't start using that money to get back in debt. We use the money to either accelerate debt mm -hmm. or to start putting away into our investment program. So that's another big thing that I see. And um, the, uh, uh, this is a biggie. I see people not taking advantage of their company's 401k match, which I have no clue mm -hmm. why people are not doing that. Right. If your company, if your company is going to, most companies will match somewhere between three to 6%. Mm -hmm. So 
I said, I think I said earlier, if you want to get rich, invest 10% of your income. You want to be wealthy, invest 15%. Mm -hmm. Okay. If, if your company is going to give you a dollar for every dollar you put away up to 6%, you take the dollar. You suck that up. Right, right. You, 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 you suck that up. Right. You know, I mean, no, no, nothing is, nothing is more important. That's free money. That's yes. free money. Everybody wants free money. Well, in, if your 401k has a match, Jay, which is another thing that I do is I look at the options that people have in their 401k okay. and I help them pick out the options of their 401k. So if you're, and let me just give an order too. Okay. If your 401k has a match, then you go into your 401k up to the percentage that they match you. So if they match you up to 6%, you put 6% in, mm -hmm. and then you go into your Roth IRA, okay? If they match you up to 3%, you go into 3%, then, and after you take advantage of the full match, mm -hmm. then go into your, uh, then go into your um, uh, uh, Roth IRA. So that's another big mistake that I see people uh, not taking advantage of that, that, that match, but and, and not, you know, not having adequate life insurance. It goes on and on. But I, every time I see somebody not taking advantage of the match, it just makes me cringe because I'm like, nothing you're doing unless you just, uh, you can't put food on the plate mm -hmm. and feed your family should be more important than that. That's free money. You're putting 3%, they're putting 3%, or you're putting 6%, they're putting 6%. You got to take advantage of that. Yeah. Let me ask a question, Ken. What about teachers, right? Because in education, like I know in, in business and corporate, uh, Verizon and, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the big wigs, they have like uh, the 401ks. They'll, like you said, they'll match that dollar. Education is, is, is different, right? So in education, there's no opportunity for that 401, mm -hmm. right? What do you, what do you, what, what does the conversation look like when you're having conversations with educators who don't have the opportunity to have the match dollar for dollar, right? What do you, what's the package look like for someone that their savings or that plan is going to look a little bit different? Yeah, it is. So I'm going to start. I'm going to start them with uh, the, re the the regular Roth IRA, okay, up to the point that they're mat that you know that they are maxing that out. So a person that's under 50 years old can put uh, six thousand dollars a year away into the Roth. That's the maximum the government allows you to do. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're over 50, there's a thousand dollar catch up provision that you can put. Oh, in, uh, in so you can put seven thousand dollars in, and then after they do that, then I'm gonna tell them to open up a 403b Roth. Okay. Okay. So they can open up a 403. One of the things I did when I was a teacher is I fully fund my Roth IRA first, and then I opened up a, um in in the in the district I opened up a 403b Roth. Okay. Which which most of the time. They won't mention to, mention to you, but there are many uh, uh, companies that will offer that 403B Roth and you can put money up in, and you can put more money in there. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can put up to 18 under 50. You can put up to like 18.5. If you're over 50, you can put up to like 24,000 and something. Um, 
I think 24.5, I think the number is, if you're over 50, into the 403B Roth, okay? Um, and I would do that for them, depending on how much, if they own a business, if they own a business, then there's something else that I can put them in, which is called, uh, uh, what's called a Unike, okay? Or uh, a, a, a self-employed or a, a, four, a, a 401k Roth for a business owner. So everybody's got a different, you know, look, but, but for teachers, they definitely want to take, put as much money away tax-free as humanly possible before right. they cross those income limitations, because there are some in, income limitations. Um, I think we start getting over 203,000 in income, then, you know, you're going to have, you're just going to start phasing yourself out if you're married. Um, I think the number is like 130 some thousand. Um, that's your maximum adjusted gross income after you write off your uh, your uh, deductions and things of that nature. So you want to get as much money in there as possible, okay, while you still can and let get that growing tax-free. And let me ask you this, um, this final closeout question, Ken. Is it is 60 too, I mean, 60 too late? It has, you know, if someone comes into to your office and and there's there's 60, like what what happens with that that person, that plan? Um, so 60 years old, they're they're close. We're gonna do a uh, do a few things differently. Okay. okay. Um, number one, we're gonna look at we're gonna look at what are their necessities. Where are they at right now? What what how much money do you need to live off of? Mm -hmm. um, how much longer can you can you handle working? Okay, right, so we right. can so we can we can put off taking Social Security off a little bit longer, so we can take the maximum that we can get from the government. Okay, do we have a pension plan that can structure our money? Okay, um, some sometimes with people like this, I might even consider um, Jay. I might so let's say they got a mortgage, right? Mm -hmm. And the mortgage is the mortgage is hurting them. Um, there's been times that I've recommended to clients, I say, look, you're 60 years old, you're 60 years old, refinance your mortgage, take it back to 30 years, live comfortably, and then your kids will get the mortgage, right? And et cetera. You know, just reduce your what? Expenses. Right. Okay. Right. By, by all means. So somebody like that, I want to try to reduce their expenses uh, as, as much as I can. I want to try to get them putting money away in that Roth IRA, even if they only can contribute for seven, eight, nine years, whatever it is. Right. I, want to, I want to get that in. And I want them to probably try to put off Social Security as long as possible so they can take, off, take the what? Larger payout right. to help them survive during that time. Um, that's some of the things that I would deal with them. Make sure that they have no debt. Mm -hmm. Make that mortgage payment as low as possible. Okay. Because they can always accelerate if things get better. Right. 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 Okay. But yes. if things get if things get tight and they they don't have enough income, because there's two ways to increase your what your uh what is it? Your life, your life uh uh, uh let's call it number one. If this is your, the gap right here, what most people think about is what? 
dropping it, right, right, it. Mm -hmm. and that increases. But the other thing you can do is what? Make more money. Okay, most people file bankruptcy because they can't come up with four hundred dollars a month. Go, go hard. There's sometimes I tell clients, I'm like, go hard for, go get a second job, work six months, excel, put all that money onto the debt, and then take three months off and rest. <laughs> I like that. And then, and then go hard. Then go hard another six months. Okay, right. put everything on. Listen, the, the biggest thing people do, Jay, is they come in here. And they're like, Teddy, it took me, uh, you know, 14 years and I've got myself in a debt mess and I want to get out overnight. It doesn't Not work like happen. that. Right. It right. doesn't work like that. Right. There's, there's no, there's no abracadabra. Right. <laughs> it, it doesn't work like that. Right. So, and, 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 and sometimes, and sometimes if people, if people do get blessed like that, then they go right back out and get right back in debt. See, when you when it hurts, when it hurts, when it hurts, mm -hmm. then it prevents you from doing it again. Okay. Right, right. I, I, and, I, and I'm gonna end with this. If you are 25 years old out there and you want to be a millionaire, you only need to invest $158 a month and average 10%, and you'll be a millionaire by the time you're 65. If you are 35 years old, you only need to invest $442 a month and you will be a millionaire by the time you're 65. If you are 45 years old, you need to invest $1,300 and you will be a millionaire by the time you are 65. If you are 55 years old, you need to invest $4,882 hmm. and you will be a millionaire by the time you're 65. If you are 60, you need to invest 12,000 and you will be a millionaire by the time you are 65, averaging 10%. Now, here's the question to all your listeners, Jay. We all can do $158 a month, can't we? So catch your children, your nieces, your nephews, Let's get them. Let's look out for the next generation so they'll be okay because we don't want them to have to go through right. some things that has go. We can right. see the writing on the wall. Right. Okay? right. And we need to have some coin right. to prepare them for the things that could happen in the future. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Listen, I want to applaud you. Thank you. Thank you for coming through, Ken. Definitely. Um, I know folks don't, you know, they don't necessarily know Mr. Kenneth uh, Bryant, but I want to just drop a little tidbit on you. This this gentleman has been this way since I've met him. Always about making sure the finances were correct. Um, I don't even know if I if I was going to the store to buy a snicker, if it was like, do you really need to buy that candy bar, James? <laughs> so... Always about the finances and saving. Always about making sure we have some financial stability as a as a community. Uh, I'm definitely uh, I'm not surprised that you're in this capacity right here right now. Um, but like we said, even before the segment, um, it was it's definitely always a pleasure, and I'm proud of you. And it was good to see you, Ken. Jay, I just it, it is awesome to see how far the Lord has brought you. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just 
I'm just blown away. I, I was telling you, I'm like just overjoyed. It's nice to see. We hear so many negative stories and we lost friends and different things of that nature. And but there's some good, there's some good coming out too. And we need to focus on that as that, man. And you are you are one of those good things that, that has come out of the environment, man. Thank you, bro. Thank you. All right, Ken. So on that note, I know we will have you back because uh, that was a lot of information. I know I have a lot of folks hitting me for it. Uh, but for now, I want to say thank you again. Uh, thank you to my listeners and uh, Fearless Leader out. Thank you for listening to the Fearless Leader podcast, a podcast made to help you take control of your life and find your passion. If you enjoy tonight's podcast, Make sure you subscribe so you're notified whenever a new episode is posted and rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. We really appreciate your support here at the Fearless Leader Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you all next week.